Now rap. We're taking all the best old school wisdom and blending it with the top new school methods to bring you the optimal coaching strategies. This is the 8020 Baseball Podcast with Coach Bo. Welcome, coaches, parents, players. Welcome, 8020 Baseball community. We are here to be better coaches, to play better baseball, to coach better baseball in an efficient and effective way using proven strategies. We are blending the old school with the new school. And I've talked about this a little bit before. Old school, there are just some things that just flat out work when it comes to coaching kids, coaching the game of baseball. And we want to stick with those tried and true methods, but we want to be open-minded to better methods, things that come about with technology and other ways that we learn to be better coaches and other ways that the coaching community could be better. Definitely has a lot of pluses coming from the old school mindset and things that have been done in the past, but there are definitely better ways than it was done 50, 100, even 20 and 10 years ago. The key is blending the right old school things with the right new school things. Trying to find the optimal way. Bipartisan coaching. We're not trying to be old school just to be old school and we don't want to just be new school because we're trying to be hip and make up new things just to make up new things and sound cool. All that matters our results. Results with our players as people, developing and helping them become better human beings, developing better skills, better baseball players, better team cultures, winning more games. Results is what matters, not old school, new school. So it's the key is to blend the old school with the new school and those optimal methods from both. I'm fired up to be here. We're going to talk pitching. I'm going to share a pitching tip to increase accuracy. I'm going to give a take on something Tim Salmon, the King Salmon said, the Kingfish, Tim Salmon, the longtime Angels outfielder. I will break down a quote. I listened to him. I watched him working with some players working with some of the highest level high school players in the country. He was working with them outside of Angel Stadium a couple weeks ago, and he said something about the hitting approach, and I want to address it so we can be the best coaches we can be for our players, and in this case, for our hitters. And I have a tip for hitting with two strikes, a simple hitting setup adjustment that I think could work for a lot of hitters to make it a little bit easier to handle pitches throughout the strike zone, which with two strikes, we're handling, of course, pitches throughout the strike zone and pitches even on the fringes and sometimes a few inches maybe even a foot off the plate so for pitching to help pitchers with their accuracy helping pitchers improve their accuracy at scale the hardest thing about running bullpens as most of you coaches know the hardest thing or the most challenging thing when it comes to setting up bullpens is you need a catcher whether that's a coach and that doesn't always go great or getting enough catchers which there's not infinite amount of catchers. Typically teams have two, three, if you're lucky, a fourth catcher with gear ready and willing to catch. Getting pitchers to improve their accuracy at scale through a higher volume of quality reps means you have to, if you want to do it at the max scales, you have to remove the catcher from the equation. I propose using this drill from time to time, and that would be to line up all your players along a wall or in most cases, the fence. I would measure off the distance away from the fence that the mound is set for your league. If anything, err on the side of a few feet further. Line all your players, definitely at the youth level and the lower youth levels. Line up all your players. Line them all up in a line 
facing the fence, spread out six, seven, eight, ten feet apart. Each field will be different. Each field or training environment, practice environment will be set up a little different. If you are doing this with a wall on blacktop, say a racquetball court setup or a wall the side of a gym, a wall that you can actually throw baseballs at. There's not a lot of those because you wanna be throwing baseballs at just any old wall, the damage and things like that, that's not cool. But if you line them up, say on a racquetball court, I remember my high school had four racquetball courts right outside the baseball field. And so if you're using a wall, make sure your players, of course, don't have their cleats on, make sure they have their tennis shoes. But ideally you would do this on the field and use the fence. You're gonna back them up off the fence. The line should be back away from the fence, the distance of the mound for the particular size field you're using or you're playing on at this time. And the line is not one behind another. It's a line stretched out parallel to the target, the fence. And here's where it starts to get a little bit different in regards to the drill and the specificity of the drill. On the surface, it sounds like a very basic drill. And it really is kind of basic in its setup. It's quick, it's efficient. You're lining your players up. They're all facing the fence or the target, something they can throw. Usually it's a fence, sometimes a wall that they can throw the baseball at. They are practicing their accuracy. There will be targets. There will be targets you can use. Colored tape to mark the spot on the fence to put the spots, the targets on the fence. The key to putting a target, and I used to use tennis balls, you push them into the spot on the fence where you wanted the players to hit or the areas, the locations that you wanted the pitchers to hit, but the baseball, when it hits the fence, would push the tennis balls out eventually or mess with targets. So I think having tape, I think having duct tape is a good way to do this, colored duct tape. Now let me back up real quick. I know a lot of fields don't allow you to hit into the fences. Like no, you'll see signs that say like no pepper allowed. I get that, but you're talking about pitching, throwing from a further distance. The velocity of that ball, not gonna be as hard as that hit, that ball coming off the bat, and it's definitely further back than most hitters. Most hitters, when they're hitting into the fence, in that particular case, are up near the fence, of course, because they don't wanna hit it over the fence. The key is having multiple targets set for each pitcher. I propose you have a down and away on the outside corner. What would be the area of the outside corner of the strike zone at the knees on the outside, at the knees on the inside corner, middle and middle up. I would mix up the locations. I would add a couple more, but for youth players, down and away, down and in, knee height on the edges of the plate or where the plate would be 17 inches. If you can put plates out, you can you can use plates, you can use throw down home plates, but you probably don't have enough. You don't have 12. This is run with 12, 13 players. The idea here is to emphasize accuracy and make it a game, make it fun, gamify it. You will have all your pitchers, all your players doing it at the same time. This is at scale. Are there trade-offs? Of course, but anytime you scale something, there are trade-offs. Those of you that know business and have your own businesses or you're in, in a business that you're trying to scale or you've scaled, there's always a trade-off. The trade-off, the idea is that by scaling, overall, it's going to be a net improvement. That's the idea of this, a net improvement on accuracy. Would it be great to have plates set up? Would it be great to have catchers for every pitcher? Would it be great to have a mound for every pitcher? Yes, yes and yes. But are you gonna have 12 portable mounds that you can set out there all at one time? Do you have 12 catchers just standing around? Do you have 12 throwdown home plates? Now, if you have a set of three throwdown bases, 
that would be four. You could use those because the bases and the home plate are essentially the same width. But remember, the pitcher is not throwing to the plate. They're throwing to the target. They're throwing to the glove, not to the plate. The target should be set up where it should be set up because the plate is on the ground. If the idea was to hit the plate like slow pitch softball, pitchers would walk everybody. If they if they hit the plate with every pitch, they would, of course, walk every single bat. Every single pitch would be a ball if they hit that. The idea is to throw it to the glove. The plate is more for the catcher and the umpire, the catcher to set up and the umpire to know the strike zone. The pitcher is focused on the glove, the target. And if you haven't already seen the video on 8020baseball.com, I talk about target percentage versus strike percentage for pitchers. In fact, I got a comment from somebody who's in professional baseball, somebody I know I've known a long time who's working in professional baseball that really liked that video in particular and the message. So we're looking at target. We're trying to throw to targets. You can do this on a flat ground, of course, because you're not going to have mounds for all your players. It's about repetitions. It's about doing this for 20 to 30 pitches, roughly. It may vary depending on when the next game is or when the pitcher's pitched or arms and conditioning and things like that. But 20 to 30, if you just line them up, you could have each pitcher throw 20 to 30 reps, pitches towards these targets, down and away at the knees, down and in at the knees, or in other words, I like to say glove side at the knees or arm side at the knees on the outside corner, the arm side corner of the plate at the knees. Then there's middle, because we want to have that middle in youth baseball. You get to three and one, three and oh, you want to throw one, you want to use the plate and let the player put it in play. You really want them to put the ball in play. You don't want to give them ball four, of course, them being the other team's hitters. And then elevated, I think that fastball up is a good pitch to set up the pitches low. So you play off each other high and low and stretch out that zone and the area that the hitter has to cover. So is this drill as fun as playing dodgeball to work on players throwing accuracy? No, but it scales. It gives them specific targets, which should be the targets that most pitchers are throwing to at the youth level and most levels. If we're going to scale and we want to get higher amount of quality reps, there's going to have to be some sacrifice unless you have unlimited resources and hundreds of players and nothing but time. Now for a couple tips. I recommend pitchers, youth pitchers, work on those changeups. I recommend they throw it away from arm side, that away from arm side, or I should say glove side, down low, the corner of the plate at the knees on their glove side. So a right-handed pitcher would be throwing it down and away from a right-handed hitter and a left-handed pitcher down and away. Typically, changeups will come back over the plate or they'll tail a little bit to the arm side, typically. Some dive straight down, some don't move a whole bunch, but typically a changeup's going to move to the arm side. And thus, we'd really like to start that on that outside corner at the knees and have it end up middle of the plate at the knees or just below the knees. I would throw the breaking ball. If you're working on breaking balls with your players, I would have them throw the breaking ball to that middle of the plate, middle, middle target. If I was working with more advanced players, we would definitely work the edges. I would work wind up and stretch. You could go back and forth alternate every other one challenge pitchers to go from the wind up to the stretch because that may happen the first batter of the inning may get a hit may get hit by a pitch may get on base and you got to go right to the stretch so rotate that again the pitch quantity is going to depend on your players time of year arm health etc but 20 to 25 or 30 in there it's flat ground so it should be easier on the arm the toughest part or the time that takes the longest is going to set up the targets. So if you want to just do two targets, you can do two targets, maybe down and away at in the strike zone on the outside corner at the knees or on the inside corner at the knees. 
you could just do two targets. Just put up that tape, get some fluorescent or bright duct tape, put that there. It doesn't need to be a huge piece. And when you put the tape up on the fence or on the wall, you just space out the targets seven, eight feet apart, and then let the pitchers and the team and the players that are throwing to those targets figure out where to stand, the depth and the angles. So you just set it up, boom, all the way down, maybe all the way down the fence line and right field fence line from the dugout all the way down to the fence or on the other side. Every field's going to be different. If you can use a fence that isn't necessarily something that needs to be taken care of as much or something to throw out like a wall that you could, I mean, ideally you would throw it at a wall with some old baseballs. Again, if you are using baseballs to throw against the wall, I would just have some older baseballs and those will bounce back to the pitcher so they can continue to use the same one. If you're throwing, of course, if the pitchers are throwing it at a fence, it's going to hit the fence and just, it's going to stop. It's going to, do, it's going to drop. It's going to die. It's just going to fall down to the bottom of the fence. Occasionally it might bounce a little funny, but typically it's just going to hit the fence and go down. I would have the pitchers throw five pitches and then sprint and get those baseballs. Balls. I would have them sprint and I would have them hustle, boom, get back. And this is part of that conditioning and speed work that you could implement. And it also teaches them to pick up those baseballs fast. Boom, 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 put them in their glove. You could cut the transition time down to 15 seconds, maybe at the most 30 seconds from that fifth pitch to the time they have the balls back to their spot where they were pitching from. And if each pitcher is throwing four to five pitches in a minute, you could have this entire drill done in six to seven to eight minutes. The entire drill, eight minute drill, 25 pitches, or a 10 minute drill, 30 pitches, throwing to a target, and you can mess with this, but you see the idea of scaling pitching accuracy, there's a trade-off, and that's okay. But with youth baseball, it's worth it. And if you could do this for eight minutes every practice, a 25 pitch targeted drill, fastballs, changeups, or just fastballs, or maybe some breaking balls, depending on where you're at and how you feel with that, that can really add up. If you did this once a week and you had a 10 week season, that could be an extra 250 to 300 target throws where they're really working on hitting the target now one requirement is that pitchers don't aim it like a dart they don't throw it different than they would pitch on the mound in a game they're not trying to aim it and throw it like a dart all you would need for 12 pitchers would be five baseballs each would be 60 baseballs 60 baseballs five dozen and i've been very upfront about baseballs you have to the number one thing the number one piece of equipment you have to have as a baseball coach and a baseball team is a lot of baseballs you take care of them you can number them so that if they go missing there's accountability but you need a lot of baseballs and you should have all your players and team members and families, team families pitching in at least a couple dozen. Can they get a couple dozen baseballs that don't have to be the fanciest? A couple dozen, that's 24 dozen or one dozen. And you have 12 players, let's say, or kind of a, when I say 12, I know teams don't always have 12 players. Some have, some have 11, some have 14 or 15 at the youth level. I know it depends, but I just use 12 as kind of that round number that uh, probably on average is about how many a team will have. But if you have a dozen baseballs donated from each parent, that's 12 dozen baseballs. 12 dozen baseballs doing the math is 120 baseballs. For this drill, each pitcher could have 10 baseballs, throw them. Now, the reason I went with five is they could usually fit five in their glove quickly without them falling out as they're coming back. You see the little detail there. I don't want them to throw 10 pitches and then go get it. I don't want them to go get it every time. And I don't want them to partner up while one pitcher's throwing, the other one's picking it up. And now first off, that creates a safety issue because now you got players, pitchers, or I should say teammates over by the fence by the target. Also, you could have bad throws coming back. Simply throw it to the target from the stretch, from the windup. Do them in sets of five or six. Have the pitchers, have the players sprint to get their baseballs, come back, take a deep breath, reset, and then throw the next set. They could be done with this really quick and it can add up to a lot of throws 
throughout the season. A lot of extra work on hitting their target. Aim small, miss small. By putting smaller targets, some duct tape, the duct tape doesn't have to be more than a, a three inch piece, a four inch piece, something that can just go on the, on the fence and stick to the fence. Aim small, miss small. If your pitchers can throw strikes and they can learn to locate, your, your team and your players are going to be very successful, or I should say, are going to be more successful than otherwise. We all know that. And as they move up, they need to be able to hit their spots because if they want to play at the higher levels, that velocity typically on the average pitcher for most pitchers is not fast enough to overcome bad location. You got to have location. You got to locate the best pitchers, even at the highest levels, locate and youth baseball should learn that. And this is a way to scale all your players throwing at one time. Coaches are not involved with having to put, you know, sit on a bucket or on a chair and catch. You go all at one time. You could utilize the mounds for a couple of those rotated spots if you can. That does create a little issue because now typically if you're using a mound, you're going to have to have a netting behind you. You're going to have to set some kind of temporary net, a bow net or whatnot, because the backstop is typically almost too far. You wouldn't want to use that. So on the surface, the drill sounds very simple. You have all your players line up out parallel to the fence or a wall and they their target practice. Now, the differences are should be stretch and wind up, mix it up half and half or a little more of one or the other. If a pitcher is struggling one particular type of delivery, they should throw in some change-ups, the location, not just one target, but multiple targets, at least two, ideally four targets, have five baseballs at a time, throw with five sets, sprint to get it, fill the glove, sprint back. I should be able to do this really quick. And it's about the efficiency of getting this. Now, don't have pitchers rush through each pitch. You could also implement a requirement that they take a deep breath before or between each pitch. So these are things that allow pitchers to work on not just accuracy, but also their different movements, stretch, wind up, and some of those in-between pitch routines at scale. So everything's at scale because all your pitchers, you could even essentially have 12, if you have 12 players on your team, essentially 12 pitchers throwing or going through their routines at one time. All right, I really like that for scale. It's quick, it works on accuracy, and there's some nuances to it that make it, I think, a much better drill than just simply just saying, hey, go out there and hit that target. Tim Salmon. Some of you know who Tim Salmon is. Played with the Angels for years. The other day he was working with some of the top high school players. I think they were doing some showcase. They were at Angel Stadium. He was out front with them. They had a net up and he had some of them hitting. You can find it on YouTube. And he was telling them, look away, adjust middle. So the hitters were hitting into this net. You got to be careful, look away, adjust middle. And now that's not the hitting approach we use, 80-20 baseball hitting approach. I think it's asking too much and it's probably not going to work best or be the better way, the optimal way for most hitters. First off, in plan A, that less than two strike approach, you shouldn't be looking away outside unless that's where the hitter wants it. Well, if the hitter wants it away and they drive the ball well on those pitches on the out, first off, if it's less than two strikes, they should be swinging at pitches that would be called a strike. Then it's within a strike zone, where do they hit the ball hard? Most hitters like it middle, middle, maybe middle up, middle in a little, middle away. Some hitters like pitches middle away. Wherever it is, they shouldn't be looking one side and then adjusting to the other when they're in less than two strikes. It's about a beach ball size, a small hula hoop size zone should be like a third of the strike zone or half of the strike zone at most, the area in which hitters are looking at. So looking away and then adjusting middle, looking away and adjusting middle, or I think you might've said looking away and adjust in. Sorry, I actually, I take that back. I think you said looking away, adjust in. Look away, adjust in. Sorry, I think I misquoted Tim Salmon. Sorry, Tim. So even worse, looking away and adjust in. That's asking the hitter to, with less than two strikes, just try to cover too much. 
I think hitters should be up there, kind of a wider set of eyes. They're looking with two strikes, looking for pitches that are in the strike zone or on the fringes. And they're really their attitude is to put the best swing they can, the hardest swing they can, depending on the pitch. And it may not be a very pretty swing. It may not be the best, hardest, most powerful swing. But with two strikes, if it's in or around the strike zone, you have to put the ball in play. With less than two strikes, we never want to have the put the ball in play mindset. We want to have the mindset of get a pitch that really is good for the hitter. That's not so nitpicky. Remember, we're not looking in an area of the strike zone or a hitting zone or hitting area the size of a softball or even a basketball. You're looking at more than that. Almost all hitters can do damage on pitches in a bigger area. You just want to be selective because if you take a pitch with two less than two strikes, as you all know, you still have more pitches coming your way. So I hear this message a lot. And I think it's asking too much. It's also placed in this approach is in the wrong place with less than two strikes. I think that hitters should go up there with less than two strikes. And you know what? I'm not even getting it. Just most of you know the hit you've been with us. You know the 80-20 hitting plan. If not, go read the article on the website, 8020baseball.com, or go listen to the last 143 episodes. So a lot of the questions I get through email, and by the way, keep sending me your questions, keep sharing your success with me on the emails. Shoot me email, coachbo at 8020baseball.com, coachbo, 8020baseball.com, Bo, as in Bo Jackson, B-O. I do get a lot of questions that are questions related to things that are being said or taught out there listeners, you listeners are asking for my feedback, my honest feedback on it. And this phrase, look away, adjust in or look away, adjust middle. I'm just trying to break that down and deconstruct it a little bit. And I'd rather we not say that. I think if you teach the plan A hitting approach, and I, and I highly, highly, highly recommend you do this, the 80-20 baseball plan A and plan two hitting approaches, plan A and plan two, if you teach this, it takes care of everything else. It takes care of everything else when it comes to pitch selection. Speaking of which, I did see this on Twitter, a well-known coach put out there defining a hitting approach. So he said something out there was defining a hitting approach. And one of the things, a bullet point was, what pitch type are you expecting? Fastball, off-speed, change? up what are you anticipating the pitch where are you anticipating the pitch to be thrown inside high away and low let me just start right there youth i don't i don't like the guessing for pitch i just don't, I don't. <laughs> unless you have like i've said 10 10- terabytes of information like some of these proteins might have on a certain pitcher even then you're guessing I don't like that I think you should be ready for the fastball on time for the fastball or on time for that fastest pitch which is the fastball almost always the fastball you're on time for it so you're ready to hit that because if you're not on time for that you got no chance by it's by the swing so you're on time for the fastball and you adjust from there I don't like the guessing I just don't I don't think it's great. I, I I remember a summer league game playing for the Alaska. I was I was playing with the Alaska Glacier Pilots, so the Alaskan Baseball League, a famous summer college baseball league. We were playing against the Anchorage Bucks. The pitcher for the Anchorage Bucks was Jared Weaver, my college teammate. Jared Weaver was out there pitching, and their shortstop, his shortstop, would move left or right depending on what pitch the catcher was calling his own catcher he was trying to get a little advantage off speed he would move towards third base a little that five six hole if he was if he saw fastball from the catcher to jared if he saw that sign and he saw that pitch was called he would move a little more up the middle because jared had a firm fastball and so he thought off speed they're going to pull it a little more fastball they're going to hit up the middle a little go the other way well my point here is we knew their shortstop was doing that or i shouldn't say i knew our first base coach chris didion picked that up coach didion picked that up 
by the second inning. So we knew for the next 75 pitches, every pitch, or at least we knew if it was a fastball or off speed, what was coming, and it didn't matter. We still got shut out, anticipating where the pitch is going to be thrown. Inside, high, away, low and in, low and away. That's a lot of area to be guessing and a lot of room for air. In fact, most pitchers don't really even know where the ball's going. At youth baseball, they don't even know where the pitch is going. So how the hitter's gonna the hitter? I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even guess. I wouldn't even cheat to where the catcher's set up because even if you watch major league baseball games, that catcher's glove is moving all the time, and a lot of times it's moving more than a foot. I wouldn't anticipate where the pitch is going to be thrown. I would stick with the plan A and plan to approach, which is reacting to where the pitch is thrown, not anticipating or guessing. The other thing that they said is, where are you trying to hit the ball? I don't think this should be something that's determined before the pitch. We've talked about this. Where are you trying to hit the ball? Up the middle, the right field, in the air, over the fence. And the other thing this coach defined the hitting approach is, how hard are you trying to swing? Are you letting it eat or are you just trying to put the ball in play? So let's go back. How many questions are there? Is it a fastball? Is it a slider? Is it a changeup? Is it off speed? Where are you anticipating it? Are you anticipating inside, high and away, low and in? Where are you trying to hit the ball? Are you trying to hit the ball up the middle, the right field, in the air, over the fence? Are you swinging hard or are you just trying to put the ball in play? That's a lot of things to go up there. That's a lot. I'm not trying to knock this coach, but this is common. And why I brought it up was this is a common, this is common dialogue, common questioning, common discussion with hitters and amongst the hitting coaches. It's too much. It's way too much. You're talking three to four tenths of a second, usually about three tenths of a second by the time they pick it up and can hit the, put the ball in play. The whole pitch is around four tenths of a second, the entire pitch, maybe a little over for youth baseball. That's not a lot. That's not a lot of time. So we don't want to complicate it. We want to keep it simple. But I want to break this down. Some of these things that I'm seeing out there, it can help you, the listener, have a better, clearer understanding and be able to decipher and kind of think for yourself and improve your coaching skills and your hitters faster by almost in a way debunking some of these things or at least clarifying where these complexities are and the necessary complexities. So I'm not only trying to share with you new information, better ways of looking at things, but also dissecting, deconstructing those common messages and things that I see out there in the baseball community on those baseball community platforms. With that said, there's a lot of great stuff out there. There are a lot of great coaches doing a lot of great things. There's a lot of great stuff to learn from. What I'm trying to do is be a filter, not a filter to just bash or to say, you know, they're terrible because most of it is good, but really try to filter out and prioritize it for you, organize it, and also vet it through a lens of a lot of experience. And it should save you a ton of time and a lot of mistakes and a lot of things that I had to go with or go through, I should say, as a young coach and what a lot of coaches are still going through as older coaches because they didn't get the support, they didn't get that filter, they didn't get somebody coming through and saying, hey, there's probably a better way of doing this because we know X and Y are true, so the Z is probably a better way of going through that or doing it this way. If you haven't already, it's a no-brainer. Go over to 8020baseball.com. Get the drill design guide. It's free, ready to go for you over there. You can follow me on Twitter. I know Twitter, the platform, I know it's got, it doesn't have the best reputation, but I've said before, I like the baseball community on there. I'm on there. I post some things. I'm not big on just throwing out a bunch of stuff because it's just not me. I don't, it just kind of comes across. I think sometimes it's too much comes across as kind of arrogant or, or whatnot. It's just not me. But if I do put something out there, I definitely think it's of interest. And I really try to center it around youth baseball where a lot of the stuff on there is designed for more advanced because it looks cool and it sounds cool because it's more advanced, more intricate, 
more professional type things, but that at the end of the day doesn't relate. Uh, most cases doesn't relate very well to the youth game. With that said, awesome being here with all of you. Next week, I'm going to share with you an easy to implement hitting setup, something you can do really quickly with your hitters that makes hitting easier for all hitters. And this tip, it can be used in almost every at bat by almost every hitter. And in, and I'm going to tell you exactly the parameters so hitters know exactly when to use it. And we'll get into that next week. It's a simple, quick tip that can really help make hitting easier for your hitters. Hint, it's already in an article over on 8020baseball.com. There's a dozen articles, another dozen videos over there. You could go get a ton of coaching information by going by there. Email me. Email me your successes. Email me your questions. I love hearing from the coaches. I love hearing from all of you. Email me coachbo at 8020baseball.com. And until next Tuesday, adios. This has been the 8020 Baseball Masterclass. Take it to the field.